0: Good morning. Good morning, how you doing? Good. If you haven't had a chance to meet me yet, my name is Rick and I'm excited to be in here and uh, get to hang out with you for the next few minutes. There's something I'd like to share with you about myself. Now this topic with certain people causes some controversy and if you and I disagree, I want you to know it's okay. I think we can still be friends. But uh, I happen to be one of the people in the group that I am okay with and I like it when things from my childhood are remade in the Hollywood movies today. And the the reason is, is because when that happens, when something from my childhood makes it onto the silver screen, toys that I used to play with come back into production. And uh, I'm a a father to a five-year-old boy named Jack, and I love getting to share with him toys that I played with when I was a little guy too. And uh, one of the cool things about being a dad is that you can buy and play with toys without looking like a weirdo. It's... It... So when I, was, when I was a little guy, one of my favorite, both cartoons and toys, were the, were the Transformers. And uh, the other kids from the neighborhood used to come to my house and hang out and play with my Transformer collection. And this year, my son turned five, and he got some Transformer toys. And maybe you can imagine the excitement and the anticipation that I felt as we were in the toy store together looking at all the selection of the different Transformer toys. It was exciting, and I couldn't wait to get home so we could play together. And we finally got home, and I opened up the packages so that we could begin playing. And my excitement quickly turned to disappointment. Now, when I was a kid, some of my Transformers, they actually had metal pieces, and they felt indestructible. Look at this. This is 100% plastic, which is 100% stupid. (laughs) It, you know, in the first five minutes, some, one, of the, one of them broke beyond repair. This one has pieces that have broken off. Once you change it from car to Autobot, you can't get it back to car again. And I don't think there's anybody in here who can put this back the right way. If you can, I'll let you take home one of the offering baskets today. Uh, that's, prob- that's probably too far. That's not really, that's not really a true story. Now, in addition to this toy, in this bag, I have an actual toy from my childhood that I used to play with. This is an F-15 fighter jet. And you can imagine that countless hours as a child, I pretended that I was maverick and uh, I was a fighter pilot flying with this thing. And uh, yeah, I can remember the day I got it. It was over 21 years ago. And, uh, and I still have this thing. I re- and you know what? It's, this thing, it's made of metal. You know, it's, 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 indes- it's practically indestructible. It's like a weapon. You know, if someone broke into my house, I could use this to defend myself. <laughs> my son loves playing with this. And you can imagine, I love watching him play with it. Please don't tell him that I swiped it from the toy box, but obviously I had it first. Um <laughs> This may sound silly and childish of me, but the day that we bought the Transformers, I looked forward to lots of happiness. I thought it was going to bring us lots of happiness and fun and joy, but I was disappointed. This one right here, I never could have imagined all the happiness that it would bring. But that's life, isn't it? Some choices surprise us with joy, and some choices surprise us with regret. Something that's probably true of all of us in here today is that we all want to be happy. We want to be happy. We may disagree on what happiness is. We may disagree on how to find it and keep it, but we want to be happy. And I don't think that that's a bad thing. You want to hear something really cool? God wants you to be happy too. Jesus said that he came to give us a rich and abundant life. We're told that the fruit of the Spirit is love. What comes next? Joy. Joy. We're told in 1 Peter that if we trust in Jesus that we will have inexpressible joy over and over and over again in God's word, we're promised joy. And joy is really just happiness. It's a happiness that can stick around. It can endure even during heartbreaking circumstances. God wants that for you and me. It's his desire for us and it is his promise to us if we trust him and we trust his way. Wanting to be happy, expecting to be happy, isn't a bad thing. That's just a reality that God wired into us. But there's a little bit of problem. Not every path leads to happiness. And unlike the disappointment that can come with a toy that doesn't work out, there can be deep regret from expectations of happiness that are left unfulfilled. How many of you this morning, you would say, there's a time in my life that I've said, I cannot believe I did that. What was I thinking? How could I ever make that choice? All right, me too. In that moment, whatever it was, something convinced you that you would be happy if you made that choice. You know, that's why you did or didn't take that job. That's why you did or didn't go to school. That's why you made the choice you did about marriage. That's why you did or didn't spend the night. That's why you did or did not end up following down a road that leads to addiction. We're all chasing down happiness. But compounding the problem, it's not just that not every path leads to happiness. When we start down a path, sometimes it's hard to tell whether it really will lead to happiness or not. I bet there's more than a few people in this room that if you felt really, really honest and bold, you could say, there have been times when I made a choice. I started down a path. I took this direction and I really thought that I would be happy in the end, but I'm not. And it really, really hurts. I'm convinced that God wants us to have life that is free of regret and a life that is filled with joy. His word is saturated with his wisdom and with his truth and it will serve as a roadmap to us, for us, to happiness. Now some of you may be thinking this morning, I don't know that I could be happy following a bunch of rules. I don't think that I could be happy, you know, just doing everything that says I'm here at church, I'm hanging there, with some people that I like, the coffee's good, I might be joining in a small group, you know, I'm checking out the Jesus thing, I'm checking out the church thing, but I don't think I could be happy following a bunch of rules written by old guys from who knows when. I hear that. But what if I said this? What if it's not about rules? What if it's about rhythms? What if I said it's not about rules? It's about rhythms. If God really does want us to be happy, and it really is possible to avoid deep and devastating regret, wouldn't it make sense to at least consider the life and the rhythm that he is inviting us to? God wants to speak to you and speak to me today through his word. It may be challenging, but it will be good. So let's dive in together to Psalm chapter 1. I want to go ahead and read the whole chapter. You're only going to see verse 1 right now, but later we'll be able to track through the whole thing together. In Psalm chapter 1, this is what it says. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all that they do, but not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff, scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly, for the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Now, some of you guys may be thinking, ouch, that sounds kind of harsh. I'm not sure that I'm really a big fan of that. Well, let me say this. If you'll just hang with me for the next few minutes, I think you'll see that these words are full of love and grace. And to really get what's being talked about here, we've got to understand who are the different kinds of people that are talked about in this chapter. We've got the wicked and the sinners and the mockers and the godly. Now, when I read wicked and sinners, if you looked at someone or pointed at them, that was wrong. You should apologize. What I, what I want to do now is I just want to start identifying some terms. And so we're going to define who are the wicked. Now, when you hear the word wicked, you may think, oh, really, really bad people. The kind of people who, uh, you know, who are in horror movies. The, the kind of people who belong in prison. Well, this is what wicked and sinners mean. They are people who don't trust God and trust His way. They don't trust God and they don't trust His way. You want to know what, what wicked and sinful people look like? If you have a, a phone, you take it out open up your, uh, your camera app, hold up, just like this, and snap the photo. You will have a picture of a wicked and sinful person. And these words, they either describe your life now or the way that it used to be. And whenever the Bible uses the terms wicked and sinner, it always means people whose trajectory of life is moving away from him because they have not trusted him and they have not trust his way. Now, mocker is a different kind of distinct category of wicked and sinful people. This is the definition of a mocker. A mocker, they are witty but not wise. They are witty but not wise. They are skilled at talking, they are not so skilled at thinking. They have sharp tongues but a dull mind. And their secret weapon, one of their secret weapons, is laughter. They can get other people to laugh at your values. They can get other people to laugh at your trust in God and your trust in His way and they will laugh at you. But even more devastating and damaging than that is when they can get you to laugh with them. When they entertain you with things that run in the opposite direction of what God wants for your life. And in those moments, you're not just laughing at, you're laughing away. Your trust in God and your trust in His way. And finally... We have the godly. Who are the godly? The godly or the righteous, it's virtually the same thing. They are people who trust God and trust His way. They trust God and His way. These are not naturally better people. These are people who have trusted a better path. And so today we want to talk about this a little bit. And I'd like for you to look with me again in verse 1. And we're going to chart the kind of the progression that happens here. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked... Or stand with sinners or join in with mockers. And really, the better word than join is to sit. This is a picture of comfort and conformity, growing comfort and conformity. And maybe you've seen this play out in the life of somebody else, or maybe you've even experienced it yourself. Probably most of us in here know someone, or even are friends with a couple of people. And they have the ability to influence us to do things that we don't want to do. When we're with them, we think differently, we have a different attitude. We have our language changes. Our behavior changes. The truth is our direction changes. And we step on the same path with him and so we end up with the same results. And God's word is saying this to us this morning. Overwhelming joy and blessing to the person who does not follow in their direction. And so when I read that this morning, if it's really not about rules and it's more about rhythms, I think this is rhythm number one, that we need to get in rhythm With the right people. Get in rhythm with the right people. Some of the most powerful influences in your life will be the friendships that you choose. I'm a father of three, and I want my three children to be a friend to all kinds of different people, I want them to be a friend to everyone but I only want them to be united with and I only want them to be in rhythm with people who are walking a path that is protected and blessed by God. I wish that I had all day to talk to you about the impact and the influence of the kind of people that we're in rhythm with, but there's a couple of things that I just absolutely feel compelled to say this morning. One is, if you are a single person, if you are not married, whether you're young, in the middle, or old, your desire for relationship happiness will tempt you to ignore this. The joy and the happiness that immediately comes with being accepted by someone is not worth stepping on that path with them if they are not trusting God in His way. So my encouragement to you today is don't bind your heart to them. Don't date them. Don't marry them. Don't even flirt with them if they don't trust God and trust His way, even if they're really, really cute. <laughs> if you have discovered the new life and the forgiveness and the joy that God gives when you trust Him and follow His way, what sense would it make to follow people who are moving away from Him? And another thing I want to say is if you've yet to get in rhythm with a small group or community group, you've got to do it. It's awesome. I love my community group. They're part of God's richest blessings on my life. Right now, my wife is away with the team to Uganda. I'm at home, single dad, father of three right now. And uh, they are being a huge blessing to me. I just want to give them a shout out. I love you guys. Boom slang. And uh, my life would not be what it is without my friends that I walk with in community group. So if you haven't done that yet, take that step. Dive in. So I want to get in rhythm with the right people. Let's look at verse 2. It says this. But they delight, this is the godly, they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. When I read this, this is what I hear get in rhythm with God's word. Get in rhythm. With God's word. Now, some of you guys may be thinking, Rick, I thought you said that this isn't about rules, it's about rhythm. Who wants to celebrate rules? What have you been smoking? No kid everywhere, no kid anywhere has ever asked their parents for a rules themed birthday party. You can't find those decorations anywhere. I, I get that. Let me ask you this question Have you ever been to a country? Have you ever been to a place that doesn't have the same kind of law and protection that we have? Have you ever found yourself in a neighborhood that even the police don't like to go into? I've been to those places. I used to live in one of those places. When I lived in New Orleans, the neighborhood that I lived in, it turned into that every night. Every night I heard gunshots. One night I was outside my building, I heard a guy on the next street over get shot. When you have lived there and then you move out of it, you learn to delight in the law and the good life that it can give. God's law is more than just rules. It is his word, is an expression of his love for us. And it is a roadmap to happiness. It is a roadmap to him. It stands as warning signs, letting us know you're on the wrong path. This is how to get on the right path. And we know that by following it, we will find happiness. And if we forget it, it will end in regret. The godly delight in God's word and meditate on it day and night. So meditate, what does that mean? How do you do that? This is what it means. I want to define it for us right now. Meditate means to think about it, wrestle with it, act on it. Have you got a new gadget for Christmas this year? You opened it up, you wanted to look and see what all it did, you wanted to play with it? Let's approach God's word in the same way. Open it up, check it out. What can it do? Think about it, wrestle with it, act on it. This is what I mean by by wrestling with it. Let's say you're flipping through and you're reading one morning and it says this, everything you do, do it as unto the Lord. Well, maybe you start asking yourself these kind of questions. If I approach my job as though it was unto Jesus, how would that affect the way I talk about my boss? If I approached making my kids lunches before they go to school in the morning as an act of worship, how would that affect my attitude? As crazy it may sound, if I approach school as unto Jesus, How would it affect my studies? If you start doing stuff like that, when you read God's Word, you're wrestling with it, you're meditating on it, then act on it. And the reality is, most of us know how to do this already. We just do it without thinking about it. How many of you have ever said to someone, Hey, you know, I was thinking about what you said, and I've decided to... That's meditating. That's thinking about it, wrestling through it, and acting on it. Let's do it on purpose with God's Word. It is a rhythm that leads to happiness. And I want to say one more thing about meditating. You can only meditate on what you memorize. If you don't remember what you read, it's just going to be a blank canvas. Read to remember. You don't have to remember a whole chapter. A sentence and think on that. I don't know how you like to get into God's Word. Maybe it's something new for you. I like to read God's Word on my phone. I use something called YouVersion. It has an audio feature where somebody will read the Bible to me in an English accent. It makes me feel fancy. Whatever you do, do it. Jump in. All right, so we want to get in rhythm with the right people. We want to get in rhythm with God's Word, and there is great benefit to it. Check this out. Verse 3. They are like trees, this is the godly, they are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. If I'm in rhythm, if I'm in rhythm, my life will have purpose, I will produce good things, and I will be prosperous. If I'm in rhythm, I'll have purpose, produce good things, and I'll be prosperous. It says that the godly, they're like trees planted along the riverbank. When I hear planted, you know what that says? Purpose. Your life is not accidental. It is not random. God is at work and he has a plan that he is intentionally working out in your life. If you submit to his word and you get in rhythm with his word, check this out. You are planted on purpose and you're placed strategically. And because of this, God has placed you on a new path. And you're not walking alone. You're walking with other people who also love him. And he is with you and you have his presence. And as you trust in him, he he, he begins to produce good things in your life. And these things are good for you. It begins to change who you are for the better. And it also is good for others. God delights in using people who trust and follow him and bringing good and blessing to others through them. Getting in rhythm with God's word produces this kind of happiness. And once you discover that, once you begin to, to really enjoy it, it's easy to, to delight in his word. It also says that they are prosperous in all that they do. I want to hear, hit the timeout button. It doesn't mean that, hey, we're going to be rich and God's going to start giving us all of, the, all of this wealth. Prosperous does not mean the absence of pain or heartache or suffering or deep disappointment. If you're familiar with the story of Joseph that's found in the book of Genesis, the first book in the Bible, you know that he had very different seasons of life. For a time, he was a slave. For a time, he was a prisoner, falsely accused of rape. For a time, he was the highest appointed ruler in Egypt. And in every season of his life, the Bible uses the same word to describe him, prosperous. It means being rich in God's favor and his presence. It is not the amount of wealth, or luxury that you can acquire. It is being rich in God's favor and his presence. And prosperous also means to finish well. And if you trust God and you trust his way, your path will end in happiness and with him in physical presence in heaven at the end of your life. Getting in rhythm with the right people, getting in rhythm with God's word produces good things. There's a different side of the story. Picking up in verse four of Psalm chapter one, it says this, But not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. They are like worthless chaff. Chaff is basically this kind of inedible waste byproduct that comes from cereal grain, blown away. By the wind. When I read this, I hear God saying, If I'm out of rhythm, I will lack purpose and my life will end in punishment. If I'm out of rhythm, I will lack purpose and I will end in punishment. Now I have to remember, when we approach the word wicked, we can't think really, really bad people. Wicked is any person who chooses not to trust God. Or to trust His way. And if I choose not to trust God, if I choose not to trust His way, my life is not going to have purpose. You can live for something good. You can try to live a moral life. You can try and do good things. But ultimately, at the end of that path, if it's been contrary to who God is and the way that He set out, it will be meaningless. Your life will be counterfeit, even if it feels real. And it will end. And there will be no place for you in heaven. And that sounds heavy. And that sounds harsh. And some of us hear that and we recoil and we think, how could that be true? How could we say that? I thought God was loving. How could that be the reality? Why is this? It is because... People who walk that path never chose to trust in God or never chose to trust in His way. Not every path in life leads to happiness. Not every path in life leads to the same place. Not every path in life leads to God. When I was in high school, my family went on a whitewater rafting trip. And uh, the day we went, we had this uh, river guide. He was this cool uh, old guy with a gnarly mustache named Smoke. And uh, before we started down the river that day, Smoke told us all the things that we needed to do to stay safe, and he told us some things not to do. Something interesting. As we were getting in the raft with him, and he was explaining all this stuff, nobody thought Smoke was judgmental. And nobody doubted his goodness when he told us to stay in the boat and how to stay in the boat. It was because we could see the danger of falling out and floating down the river. That wouldn't be good. Our problem is that we can be really good sometimes at convincing ourselves that there's no danger in ignoring God and ignoring His way. Just for kicks, let's, let's imagine this for a moment. Let's imagine that you can go down the disobedient path and you can dodge all the consequences along the way. Well, there is a consequence that none of us can dodge. It doesn't matter how savvy you are, none of us can dodge death. It waits for us all. And when we walk through that door, we will forever experience the final destination of the path that we chose. There's another thing that I can remember that Smoke did that day. As we were going down the river, before we got to the final, the most exciting and the most dangerous rapid of the day, he called the timeout. And we pulled the raft over on the riverbank and we climbed up some rocks so we could look over what was coming ahead. And as we looked at those rapids, we were excited But in that moment, none of us had to be convinced to listen to and to trust what smoke said. That was automatic. Because we knew that it would be foolish to ignore him in that moment. This is a timeout moment. God has given us this message so that we can pause and so that we can look at what's coming ahead and that we can trust the direction that he is giving to us. Everything that we've talked about this morning comes down to this and hinges on this. Knowing the truth doesn't change anything. Submitting to the truth changes everything. It doesn't matter what we know. Everything hinges on what we submit to. I want to share with you a photo. This is a guy named Scott Harrison. You may not know this, but there are a billion people on our planet who only have diseased and dirty drinking water. And Scott didn't think that was a good thing. So five years ago, he started something called Charity Water. And in those five years, they funded uh, 4,282 different wells in 19 countries. Because of this program, there are now 2 million people who are receiving clean water every day. But Scott was not always this socially-minded, love-driven, good fruit-producing guy. In his 20s, he was a nightclub promoter. It was his job to throw parties for companies like Bacardi and MTV. And he said his life was just as glamorous as it sounds. He had lots of money. He was dating a supermodel. And he was soaking up the best of what life had to offer. He went on a vacation with some friends. They flew to wherever they wanted in private jets. They spent $1,000 on fireworks. They spent $10,000 a hand at Baccarat. They were living it up. But he says that in that moment, he realized that he was empty. And he looked at the people that he was with. And they were older than him, further down the path. And they had more than him. And they were just as empty. And he realized where his path was taking, and he didn't want to follow it anymore, so he returned to his faith in Jesus Christ. And so he left the nightlife. He quit his job. He took a new path following Jesus. And instead of a life of glamorous and meaningless parties, God is now using him to bring clean water to millions. And looking back on the time of his life that was out of rhythm with the right people and out of rhythm with God's word, this is what he has to say. He said, I hadn't lost my faith. I just hadn't obeyed. For 10 years, I hadn't become an atheist. I just didn't want to do what God was calling me to do. Knowing the truth doesn't change anything. Submitting to the truth changes everything. How incredibly blessed and how much overwhelming joy there is for the people who will get in the right direction, who don't follow the direction of the wicked, who trust God in his way, they will be like trees planted along the riverbank, prosperous and producing good. What path do you want to be on? Jesus said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said I am the one and the only way, the truth, and the life. Which path will you choose this morning. Some of us in here, we're really just like Scott Harrison. We've known the truth. We just haven't been submitted to it. We haven't been acting on it. And now it's time to do so. Others of us are realizing, wait a minute. I think I'm starting to see a little bit more clearly now. It's not that I've just been making mistakes. It's that I've been on the wrong path. And I don't want to be on this path anymore and I don't want to go where it's taking me and maybe for the first time it is crystal clear and you are ready to step off of that path and to trust Jesus Christ and to trust his way. The Bible tells us that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God has risen from the dead that we can be saved. Would you trust in him today? I want to pray for us right now. and I'm going to give you an opportunity to express trust maybe for the first time and Jesus Christ in his way. we pray with me? Maybe you want to say this. Dear Jesus, you are Lord, and I've been on the wrong path for too long. I don't want to go where it's taking me anymore. I believe in you. I believe you died on the cross to take the punishment for my wickedness. I believe you are alive. I give my life to you. And Heavenly Father, I want to pray for anyone here this morning who's at the crossroads of decision. Maybe they know that they need to get in God's word, but something's holding them back. God, I pray that they will take that step. And God, I pray for this in the name of your Son. Amen.